All right. If you have your Bibles, grab them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And as you make your way to your seats, I'm sorry, chapter, I'm always a chapter behind. I keep doing that. Chapter 12. And please stand out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were pagans, you were led astray to meet idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activity, activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles, to another, prophecy, and to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Just for the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body through many, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single, single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be, to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow a greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable because it, excuse me, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has compared the composed the body, giving greater honor to the part it lacked that that lacked it. And there are many, and there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If once one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Grace. Now, I have a quick question 
uh, before we start, as I start with a football illustration, uh, who is rooting today for the Chiefs uh, to lose? That's all you care about is the Chiefs lose. Okay? All right, now who is rooting for the Chiefs to win? Okay, now I know who to do church discipline on. <laughs> oh, all right. You know, football is often called the ultimate team sport. Uh, and, it, and that's probably what you probably is the ultimate team sport. You see, you have 11 men on the field at a time on each side of the ball uh, on offense, and there, there can only be one quarterback, right? There can only be one guy who's the all-star, who's the distributor, who's the point guard of the offense, who's throwing the ball around. He touches the ball every play. He gets all the praise, and he gets all the hate, all the love and all the hate, right? Um, but... You've also got these skill position players. You've got running backs and wide receivers and tight ends, and they get a lot of praise and a lot of hate, and they get these big splash plays and these big highlight reels, and, 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 and they get a lot of attention. They can be on the cover of Madden, and, and, and they can be on Sports Illustrated, all these things. But then you have the line, and the bi- those are the biggest guys. Uh, they never touch the ball. Uh, or very rarely touch the ball. They don't make flashy plays. They're not on the highlight reel. But the five linemen probably have the most important job on the football team. Because without them, the quarterback is getting sacked. He's getting hit. He's probably going to get injured. Uh, He's going to get taken out. Without the line, the running back has no way to run the ball. He gets handed the ball and boom, gets blown up. Without the line, the receivers have no time to get open for the quarterback to have time to throw them the ball. And so they don't catch the ball. They don't make highlight reels. Without the line, none of this happens. For a team to be successful, it takes everyone, every play, using their skills and their talents and their abilities and doing their assignment, doing their job. And sometimes the wide receivers have to go out and block. And if they don't block their guy... There's a screen pass over here, and the guy gets tackled because the wide receiver thought that wasn't his job to do blocking that play because he just catches the ball. If they don't all do it, they fail. And then you have field goals, right? And, and we take that for granted, how hard it is to snap a ball perfectly, 8, 10 feet, whatever it is behind you, and for another guy to grab the ball and to spin the laces out exactly at the time as one guy is taking two steps and going to kick it 45 yards through a narrow, narrow field goal. And those guys get very little praise and get a lot of hate when they mess up. But when everyone takes their talents and they work at them their talents to make themselves better, and when they come prepared and when they come and work hard and when they do their job using their abilities, working as a team, they accomplish their mission and they win the game. And the church is very much the same. We have a mission from God. And we each have been given gifts and talents and abilities and assignments to accomplish that. And not all of our gifts uh, and not all of our assignments are the same. Uh, Every one of us have different gifting, different positions, different things to do. But when we recognize that what our gifting is... And we hone it, we sharpen it, we make it better, develop it. When we actually do that, and we do it together in connection with everyone else in the church who is also working to figure out their gift and use their gift, we accomplish our mission. We fulfill our assignment and do what the Lord has asked of us. And when that happens, we fulfill our purpose. 
We accomplish this mission. We advance the goals, the priorities God has given us, and we win the day. Notice verse 1. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That really sums up, I think, the point of the chapter in a lot of ways. Uh, the point of the sermon, I don't want you to leave here this morning remaining uninformed about spiritual gifts. And the reality is we have a church full of people this morning. Uh, and we are all on different stages of our journey. Every one of us in this room are on kind of different uh, spots in the journey of following the Lord. Some of you in this room, you know exactly what your spiritual gift is, and you are using your spiritual gift, and you are being fulfilled and encouraged, and God is blessing you and using you through using the gifts he has given you, and you know that, and you're there. Some of you in this room, you kind of know what your spiritual gift is, but you aren't really tapping into it, you're not really using it, and so you don't really see the Lord using you, and you're not really seeing him work in your life. And then others of you are like, you're saying, I've got a what? And you have no idea that you have a spiritual gift, and and you're hearing that for the first time, and maybe you're like, I need to figure out what that is and figure out how I fit into that. Uh, I I think for a lot of us, um, spiritual gifts are a little bit like our iPhone um, or your Android phone, whatever. Um, You know, your phone gets updates all the time. And uh, those updates are big, and if, you, and if you have an iPhone, you know, sometimes you know, Apple will release this video, and they'll show you all the things coming out, and everybody gets excited. Like, I remember the first time uh, Siri came out, it's like everybody pulled it, got their phone opened up, and it was like holding the button down, and like, what do I tell her to do, right? <laughs> and then you tell her to do something, and like, it was like, oh, that was so cool. And those updates come out, and, and you get excited about those things. But also, when those updates come out, they slide in these little features and they don't tell anybody about them. They're not in the videos. Nobody knows about them. You just kind of got to stumble upon them. And uh, one of these kind of changed my life. Quote, changed my life. Do you know, sometimes you're, you're sending a text message, and you've got an error. You've got a typo somewhere up there. And you've got to go fix it. And you try to, you know, you're touching the spot because you want to get your cursor right in between that word to fix that letter. And you're touching. The cursor's over here. And you're like, uh, and you're touching. Why are my fingers so fat? You know, and you're like, you can't get it where you want it. Well, once I learned that if you push and hold down the space bar, you, it's like, it turns into like a mouse. And you can control your cursor and put it where you want with your thumb. Some of y'all are like, I had no idea. It's going to change your life too. You see, I had this ability all the time and I didn't know it and so I didn't use it. I had it, but I wasn't using it. And some of us, we... we all of you that are Christians, some of you, you have this gift, but you don't know it, so you're not using it. You got it. It's there. It's yours, given to you by God, but you don't know what it is, and so you're not using it. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus, who has been converted and has the spirit living inside of them, has a spiritual gift, and it has been there since the moment Jesus made you his. And here's the, big, the first kind of big truth I want you to get this morning. Write this down. Every Christian, every Christ follower has a spiritual gift. Without fail, every follower of Christ has a spiritual gift. If you are his new creation, he has given you uniquely a gift to serve his mission. And this is without exception. Uh, no one gets passed over. None of us didn't get a gift. None of us got forgotten. Some of you have gifts, but you do not know what they are. 
but you have it, you just haven't figured that out and haven't used it, or you haven't looked for it yet. I want you to notice verse 7 and verse 11. In verse 7 he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. And then verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, notice this, to each. To each one, and then to each one individually, to each one, to each believer. To each believer individually, he apportions spiritual gifts to whom he, to which one, ever one he wills, he gives it to you. See, you have been given this gift, it says, for the common good. Now, what does it mean that it's for the common good? What does that mean? Well, it could mean, you know, kind of for the common good of the world, right? Now, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think that's sort of true. But it is more specifically for the common good of the Lord's church. And we know that because the whole context of this entire chapter is made up of, of this whole conversation about how we're one body with many parts, and this whole larger point is if you have this gift, you should be using it to serve the body. And if you don't, the whole body suffers. If you use it on the sideline and don't use your gift, we all suffer is the point. You know, around here we have, we have five core values. And one of our core values says that everyone is valuable. And that doesn't just mean that you have value intrinsically to you as an image bearer of God. It does mean that. But it also means you bring with you value. You bring with you value because God has uniquely and individually designed and equipped and apportioned to you gifting that only you have and bring to our church. And so when you stay at arm's length away, we are less off and we are lacking because we lack that thing you uniquely bring to this body. It's like having a nose that doesn't want to smell, and so you just stay off over there, and now we don't get to smell anything. We're less off. You know, Paul uses this body illustration, right? Like, the foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you eyes. We're just feet around here. No, we need every part of the body fully functioning to be a healthy church body. But sometimes in churches... All the mouths get together, and they start talking, and, and everything, and, and you know, they're all about the mouth stuff, and the hands get upset. The hands start saying, y'all know, y'all are talking a lot, and you're teaching, and you're talking, and you're praying, and you're doing your talking, yappy the yap stuff. Well, one of y'all need to pick up a rake, because there's some leaves over there in the flower beds, and they ain't going to get up themselves. And so the hands, they get a little upset. Y'all just going on talking, talking, talking when we need to be working, working, working. And then the feet get involved and they say, all you guys do is want to teach and talk about the Bible, encourage people and pray. And all you guys want to do is work around here, but we need to go. And we need to go on mission. And we need to go across the ocean. And we need to get up and we need to move and go do stuff. That's what God has called us to do. Not just be over here yapping our gums. And then the noses get involved, and they're saying, guys, y'all are all about all this other stuff. You're about going and teaching and talking or whatever, but somebody needs to take the trash out and clean the bathroom because it stinks in here. <laughs> and we need to get some flowers and maybe some, some smelly good stuff. And see, we all can get focused on these little things. And that's one of the ways dysfunction begins to happen in a church. And Paul says, we can't do that. We need all of them working in harmony and unity together. 
Instead, we have to see that we're one body, not divided, but we all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. And because of that, we notice those different things and we focus on those different things. And only when we come together and understand, hey, man, you're gifted at that. Man, praise God for you going and weeding that flower bed. Pray, thank you for that. Thank God that you would come and, and clean up that spill and make it smaller. Thank God that you have the ability to teach and you go and send it. You thank God that you have the ability to, to hear and that you can come and, and, and work and sound or tech or whatever. Thank God that we have all of these different things only when we come together and recognize that it's good that we're different and that we can all contribute in our own different way. Do we finally accomplish and advance the mission that God has for us? You see, Jesus came to earth, right, 2,000 years ago, and his whole mission was to build a church, to build his new people, his new family on earth, a new kingdom. And he did a lot of that work while he was here. He did the big parts, right, the most important parts, parts that we can't do. He did all that. But how is it that God, that Jesus, is continuing his work on earth? How is it? When he ascended into heaven... What did he say? That he was going to send his spirit to the disciples. That the spirit would come and empower them to continue his work. You see, it is the Holy Spirit in us who has gifted us so that we might continue the work of Jesus by building his kingdom, by building his church. And so when we, when, when we know what our gifting is and we use it in the church, we are continuing the work of Jesus on his behalf. You have a gift, and you've been given it for the building up of his body. Here's the second big thing I want you to see. God works in our lives through the spiritual gifts of others. God is working in your life and our lives through the spiritual gifts of others. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you have an itch... On your left arm, what happens? Well, what doesn't happen is that your brain senses the itch on your left arm and sends some magical power, brain power, to zap the itch away and it's gone. We know that's not what happens, but we think that is what happens in the church. You see, when you're in need or in crisis, when you've got something going on in your life and you pray, Sometimes what we expect is for God to send a zap power thing to come and give us what we need in that moment. To just magically, boom, here it is. There you go. There you have it. You needed wisdom? Wisdom. Right? But that's not how, that's not how bodies work. No, when my left arm has an itch, my brain sends a signal to my right arm, hey, left arm brother needs some help, go give that man a scratch. And so my right arm comes over here and gives it a little scratchy scratch. And when we pray, God hears and he sends a brother or a sister in Christ to come over to you who has the unique calling and gifting and ability to help you in that moment. When you need wisdom to make a decision, he doesn't just go, there you go. There you have it. All of a sudden I'm smarter now. No. When you need wisdom and you pray and ask God for wisdom, you know what he does? He sends you a wise person. He sends you someone with wisdom to speak into your life. 
when you need help in your marriage because your marriage is on the rocks, it's struggling, when you need that help and you say, God, please help my marriage, he doesn't just go, well, there you go. It's better now. He, he sends you a couple or a person who's been there, who's got the experience, who's got the knowledge, who, who can help. You see, in reality, he's put all of these resources right here in this room. And he's saying, when you need wisdom, I got a whole catalog for you. Just go pick one of them out. Go find the one that can uniquely speak to that thing that you got going on in your life in that moment. When your marriage is on the rocks, I've got a whole catalog of people that can help. Go, go find them. They're right there. They're in the body. God has given his church to be this sort of resource. The problem is we pray and then we don't use the resource that God has laid in front of us. We pray and ask God for this thing to help. And then he's like, yes, that's an easy one, man. Got it. You got a whole church body. Go pick someone out. And we're like, no, no, Jesus, that's not really what I was looking for. That's a little messy. That's a little uncomfortable. That means I got to depend on someone else. I really just kind of want you to fix it. But that's not how it works. When God works in our life, more often than not, he does it through the spiritual gifts of other people. That he has given to them so that, he might, that they might work in your life. And so God is working in your life through the gift he's given to this person to you. And so think about it this. If you want God to work in your life, you have to be a part of how God is working in the world. And how is God working in the world? Well, he's working through his body he calls the church. And so when you are disconnected from the church, you are disconnecting yourself from the means of grace, from the highway of grace and the power of God to work in your life. If you want God to work in your life, you must also be willing to put yourself into the paths of his power, which is in the church, which is in his body. You see, you cannot be connected to the body and in the paths of God's power to work in your life if you are a ninja Christian. And some of you are like, that's a new one, Brent, what's a ninja Christian? Well, I read about it this week, and so I wanted to drop that in here. Here's what a ninja Christian is. You, you silently slip in after the first song has started, right? And you slip into the service, the first song has started, and you sit as far away from anybody as possible. And then when I finish this sermon and pray before the next song starts, you slip out silently and unnoticed. You're like a ninja. You're in and out, and no one has seen you. No one has talked to you. You see, you treat the church like a fast food service. That as long as you can slip in and slip out real quick and get a little worship on, get a little preaching, then you're going to be good. But in doing that, you've missed out on one of the most important elements of what it means to be a part of the church. And that's not preaching or music. It's the people. It's us. You see, you can hear better worship music than, sorry Nathan, but you can hear better worship music than what we've got on the radio. You can stay at home. And you can pull your phone out and you can hear professional music anytime you want to. But, we have, but God has called us to be in this room. To sing and match our voices with these people. To lift our voices in praise with these people and to sing these songs with these people that are leading us in this worship. Guys, I hate to admit it, but it's really true. Y'all can go home and get on a podcast and hear a lot better preaching than this Yehu. 
right? You can get on a lot of really good preaching at home on a podcast. That's better than me. That ain't hard to find. But God has called you for whatever reason, I don't know, to be here in this room to listen to this goober preach. <laughs> Not the goober part, right? And that's what it means to be a part of the body. Not just get the content. We get, we've got more access to content than any time in the history of the world. We're, towards, we're, we're called to be part of the body because we need feet and hands and ears and nose and livers and hearts and lungs. We need all of it together working. And without all of it, we just got content. We don't need content. We need a body. And we need all of these people. Ninja Christians might get the rush of the, might, they might beat the rush to the restaurant. But they are missing out on how, on how God wants to use them. And how God wants to work in their lives. Because God works in and through and for his church. His body. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Another one of our core values is that we grow better together. We might be many. But at the end of the day, we are one body. And it takes us being together to be used and to experience the work of God that we were designed to do. Guys, I have a blessing in my life that many of you in this room, not all of you, but many of you in this room have not experienced just by the fact that, uh, just the necessity of where you live and where everyone lives around you. And I don't mean this negative toward my family or my in-laws because we love them so much, but when you live near family, it becomes a crutch. Eric can become a crutch. Because who do you always look for and who do you always lean on anytime you have need for anything? Your family. And so when you need a babysitter, grandma. When you need financial help, grandpa. When you need anything, it is the family that you look to. When you are in trouble, when you're caught in sin, when you're whatever, you need financial help, you need advice, you go to them. But when your family doesn't live where you live, where then do you go? Where then do you go but to your body, but to your church family? That's where I go. And so the, one of the biggest blessings in my life has been to be a part of this family, this body. Because it is you who are, is a constant encouragement to me. It is you who build me up. It is you who step up and have helped us out. When we need a babysitter for five children, we need two of them at the same time, by the way. It is you who have helped. When we have needed serving, it is you who have stepped up. And so we have gotten to experience the work of God through his body toward us. And that is a blessing. So let's say that you know your gifting. Uh, you're using your gifting in the church. Well, there is a temptation that we can all fall into uh, when we know what our gifting is and we are using our gifting and God is using us in and for that. I want you to remember verse 7. It said that God has given us these things for the common good. They're not for you. They're for the common good of the body. Write this down. Your gifting is for service, not showing off. Your gifting is for service, not showing off. You have been given this spiritual gift not to be admired, but so that you can use it for the good of other people. One of the many problems the Corinthians had 
was that they were proud of their spiritual gifts. They used them as a means to puff themselves up and to think of themselves as superior to others. In their mind, who had lesser gifts, other people had lesser gifts, so they could be better. They thought of their spiritual gifts almost like superpowers. Oh, I've got tongues. Oh, well, I've got the gift of prophecy. Oh, well, I've got wisdom. Oh, (laughs) you only have administration? Okay. That's lame. But how silly is it? Think about this. How silly and arrogant is it that you would be proud and arrogant about a thing that God gave you the ability to do? That isn't innate to you, but was given to you. It's like a boxing glove boasting in its ability to punch really hard. But a boxing glove doesn't have any power in itself to punch. It's the hand inside the glove that has the power. The glove is just there to be along for the ride. You're the glove. You and I are boxing gloves. We get to be a part of the amazing work God is doing, but it's not our power. It's not our ability. It's his gift and power in and through us. See, your gift is not, a me- is not meant to puff you up in front of others. It is meant to lift others up over you. You know, our sinful nature is always trying to find ways to elevate ourselves above others. And the Corinthians were finding significance, right, and meaning in their life through their spiritual gifts. And we do that all the time, right? Not, whether it's through gifts or something else, we find our significance and our value in something about us. Right? We do this same thing, find our worth and ability. This is actually like a, a big move in like Christian culture right now. Whether it's through social media, Christian social media influencers, or Christian self-help books, right? The, the book, we've got new books on our grow wall. Go check those out. My book is really about this. And what do they say? What do, what, what do they say? How, you, that, here's how they help you. You're so special. You're so unique. There's no one else like you. Girl, you shine. Right? You have been gifted. You've got all. You, you, you. You're so great. You're so awesome. You're so gifted. You're so special. You, you, you. But your awesomeness does not come from your abilities. Your awesomeness does not come from what you can do or contribute. Those abilities, they're not yours. They're God's. He's just let you use them for him. So where does your awesomeness and value come from? Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Because we all have come from different paths, different backgrounds. You have different gifts. Some are flashy. Some are in front of others. Some are behind the scenes. But our value is not based on what we can or cannot do or who we are. Our value and our worth has to be found not in our gifts but in the one who gifted us. And the one who loved us. And the one who saved us. The one who laid down his life for us. We don't boast in our gifts. We boast in the giver of the gifts. Our gifting is for serving, not showing off. Our gifting is for the building up of the body, not the building up of self. So, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. God is using that gifting uh, in you to serve and to build up others, that he uses those gifts to help others in you. 
And then those gifts aren't, made, made, aren't given to you to make much of you, but to continue the earthly ministry of Jesus so that you might be his hands and feet. But some of you are sitting here, and you have no idea what your gift is, and so you haven't used it, and you don't plan on using it because you're not even sure if you have one. So I kind of want to begin to wrap up by asking, how do you know your gifting? How do you know what your spiritual gift is? How do you figure that out? Well, first notice that there is a list of gifts here. In this passage, we read a list of gifts, but it is not an exhaustive list. There are six different lists in the New Testament containing 22 different gifts. And I don't know that I would even say that it is even all 22 of those are exhaustive. They're just the ones the Bible mentions. And I want to read those 22 to you real quick. Apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, healings, helps, administration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, knowledge, faith, distinguishing between spirits, evangelism, shepherding, serving, encouraging, generosity, leadership, mercy, marriage, and everyone's favorite, celibacy. Can you see in this list how we have eyes and nose and feet and hands? we got those who speak and those uh, who run and those who organize and those who lead and those who are generous. Now, some of these gifts are lifelong gifts, right? Some of these gifts are, you, you have that gift forever. And some of these gifts are momentary. They, they come upon, the Spirit comes upon you and gives you that gift for a moment or for a season or for a particular activity. Like, for example, the gift of faith. The, the, this gift of faith isn't general faith that, that we have to be saved. We all have that. This gift of faith is the gift that in a particular moment, God gives us incredible faith to trust God with an assignment that we might be obedient to it when it seems crazy. And I think, for example, of the Martins, who I called some a few months ago and said, I got a baby who needs adopting, do you want it? And now she's standing right over here holding that baby. Because in five minutes she said yes. Hey, honey. Because in five minutes they called back and said yes. Now that wasn't, that, that was a gift of God that gave them faith to trust and to be obedient to what God was calling them to do in that moment. And so it was a temporary gift. Or I think about the ability uh, to uh, discern spirits, to, to tell different spirits from each other. Like, what, what in the world is going on with, with that? Like, sometimes God can give us this gift of discernment that we have this sort of sixth sense in a particular situation or toward a particular person. And you, and you, and you, and you, you see what's happening or you see this person and, you, and you, might, you might go up to them and say, Hey, man, I don't really understand what's going on. I just, there's something off here. There's something weird going on here. There's something, everything might look normal, feel normal, seem right. They say all the right things. But I'm telling you, the, the, by the Spirit of God, something's off. Because you have the ability to discern between spirits. That's a temporary gift. Some, someone might have it permanently, but it can also be a temporary gift. So some of these are for a moment. Some are a lifetime. Generosity, serving, administration. I picked on Darcy this morning. I'll pick on her again. Darcy clearly has the gift of administration because me and Ryan are always flying by the seat of our pants at the last minute, and Darcy's planned three years in advance. <laughs> she got notebooks, and, and, and I don't even know. She got little pins and clips, just organization everywhere. 
It's her gifting, not mine. My, the fact that it's not my gifting is on display in my home every week. Encouragement is a lifelong gift. Many of you have that. I think of many of the ladies over in what, we, what I affectionately call the LOL class, the little old lady class. Um, uh, and they, I can say that because I love them. They love me. And they are one of the biggest sorts of encouragement in our church. They encourage me. They encourage so many people. They write cards. They love on people. They serve people. They care for people. So there's temporary gifts, lifelong gifts. I want to give you three quick ways that help you figure out, okay, what, what's yours? What's your gift? Three quick things. Number one, ability. What are you naturally good at? Trying to figure out what your spiritual gift is? Well, first, look at what are you naturally good at? What's your ability? Often spiritual gifts will coincide with natural abilities. God takes those natural abilities and he like supercharges them for his purposes. For example, my natural ability is persuasion. Every personality test I take, I get the I can sell ice to Eskimos like situation. But God has taken that gift and turned it so it's not, persuasion is just like a nice way of saying arguing. All right, I like to argue, sorry. But he's molded that ability into persuasive speech for his purposes and not just argue whatever I want. God takes natural ability and morphs it into something to use for him. But I will say there is an exception to this rule of your ability. Because sometimes God bestows spiritual gifts on people that are the opposite of their natural ability. I read this week about a girl who is uh, super shy, introverted, but has the gift of evangelism because whoever she happens to share the gospel with seems to get saved. People just get saved when she does it. Even if she has to get out of her shell, it's against all of her comfort zone. I was starting to think about in our church who might have a, a gifting that's different than their personality. And the first person that came to mind was Ron Gervin. Who Ron Gervin's email is grouchy something or another at yahoo.com. I don't know, at something.com. But Ron, though grouchy as his natural uh, disposition might be, is one of the most encouraging people to me and to so many of us in this church has gone above and beyond and out of his way to serve people behind the scenes, to care for them, encourage them. And so I don't even know why he's grouchy. He's an encourager. And his spiritual gift is different than what his natural ability might be. So you can look at natural ability, but also know there can be an exception to that. Two, affinity. What are you passionate about? Affinity, what are you passionate about? You have a passion for a reason. Maybe God has laid on your heart a certain country, a certain type of people, a passion for a particular need. Maybe you have a heart for orphan care. Maybe you have a heart for racial reconciliation. Maybe you have a heart for caring for the poor. Well, you need to lean into that passion and maybe find your gift coming out as you serve and work toward helping that particular area. And then three, affirmation. And this may be one of the most important. What do others see in you? What do other people see in you? It's a big one. Because we are often so blind to ourselves. Guys, you know, sometimes people really think they can sing. And no one has loved them enough to tell them the truth. That's why people go on American Idol and are genuinely shocked when the judges laugh them off the stage. My mama said my voice was like an angel's. Well, your mama lied. No one loved them enough to say, brother, you can't sing, but your thing is math. My wife will tell you that the most freeing thing her dad ever did for her was to tell her that she can't sing. Because now she is under no pretense that she can. And so, she, is, she said it was so freeing. 
But we don't just need the negative, we need the positive. We need people to, to see us and to say, man, when you teach the Bible, I really get it. Or it's really helpful. Or man, that card you wrote to me changed my week. It encouraged me so much. It kept me from going over the edge. When people see you and affirm your gifting in you, it helps us to see, oh, maybe I actually can do this. And so you search for your gifting, you look at natural ability, you look at your affinity, your passions, and look for other people to affirm that. Even ask, hey, do you think I'm good at this? And then figure it out and use it. Because God's will for your life is bound up in the gift he's given you. Sometimes we're all like, man, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what he wants from me. I'm all right here. Well, if you can figure out what your gifting is, your, his will for your life is really bound up in that. Because he's given you that to be used for him and his purposes and his kingdom. So we all have gifts meant to build up the church, not ourselves. Meant to further the earthly ministry of Jesus. Gifts that need to be stewarded and not squandered. Like Uncle Ben told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And that is true for us. We've been granted great power with these spiritual gifts from God. And they come with responsibility that we use them and use them well. And so I want you all to take a mental shift in the way you think about serving the church. And then I'm going to be done. We serve the church. We don't volunteer in the church. We serve the body. We don't volunteer in the body. See, when you volunteer somewhere, you're saying, hey, I see you guys need some help. I got a little bit of extra time. I don't really want to, but my wife said I need to, so I'll pitch in. Because no one else will, I'll come along and I'll, I'll help out. I feel duty bound to come and kind of be a warm body to help out. We're not here to volunteer. That's not what we do here. We are here to take the gifts God has given us and to use and leverage them to accomplish the mission he's given us. So what we need is not more people volunteering their time to go sit in kids' ministry classes thinking they're babysitting. What we need is people who see kids' ministry as evangelism and as discipleship and as service and as vitally important to the ministry of the future of the gospel and advancement of the kingdom of God. And so I'm excited to go in there and to do some evangelism and discipleship with these kids. We need people to come ready to figure out what their gifts are, that their gifts are in hospitality. I want to help new people know that they are welcome so that they are ready to meet Jesus if they don't know him yet. I need, we need people to figure out, hey, Lord, teachers, so I can lead a, a class. We need people to figure out that they've got wisdom and so they can speak into people's lives. So many areas of our church. We don't need more volunteers. We need many, 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 many more servants ready to be used by God and for God to work in their life. Toward the beginning of the first book of Narnia, the Pevensey children meet Father Christmas. And Father Christmas gives them gifts. And in that moment, they have no idea why they've been given a sword and a horn and some weird vial. And they go through most of the book, not really knowing why they have these things. But then the time came. The moment was thrust upon them, and then they knew exactly why those gifts were given them. For fighting, and for calling for aid, and for healing the wounded. You may be here this morning, and you don't know what your gifting is, or how, or where to use it. But if you plug into the church, and you don't stay on the outside, but you say, I've got to figure this out. I've got to come into the game. I'm going to find out what it is. I want to be used for a specific purpose and place and opportunity that God has uniquely wired me and called me to do. And for that reason, God has placed you here so that you can figure that out and that you can serve his body. 
I'm going to put a QR code up on the screen. And if you're here this morning, you would say, Brett, I'm ready to take the next step to figure out what my gifting is and to use it and to serve. I'm not really serving, really, uh, or I am a little bit, but I want to do more. Scan that, fill out that thing, and we're going to reach out to you and say, all right, let's figure it out and let's play. Because here's the thing. We can say, hey, let's try this out. We'll put you in the sound booth. And then you get up there and you go, I'm tone deaf. All right, you know, whatever. You know, I'll put you up here. I'm tone Okay, can't do that. Next thing, we'll figure it out. But if you're ready, take that, scan that, or come talk to one of our staff, and we'll get you connected. We have a lot of ways to serve around here, and God has commanded that we serve his body. And we all miss out when you stay on the sidelines. We're less off when you sit on the sidelines. So get in the game and let God use you and work in your life and through your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, first, we're just grateful and thankful that you would gift peons like us. Nobody, nothing's like us with supernatural spiritual gifting to, to be used by you to accomplish purposes that are heavenly purposes on earth. God, what a, what a privilege and blessing it is when we can figure out what you've gifted us to do and to be used by you to do it and to see other people's lives changed. And so, Father, for, for us in this room, would you help us to figure out what that gifting is and to begin to leverage it and use it for the body of Christ. But Father, for those in this room who, they don't have a spiritual gift because they're not spiritual. They don't have a spiritual gifting because they do not belong to Christ. Maybe they're religious Maybe they're just completely off the wall atheists. Wherever they're at this morning, they don't have a gift in because they don't belong to you. Father, this morning, would you grant them faith that they would believe and trust in you. Father, would you open their eyes to see the truth and open their ears to hear the truth that they would come and say, I want to learn more about this Jesus and how he can save me and forgive me of my sins and make me his child. If you're here this morning and you want to meet Jesus for the first time, or if you're here this morning and you want to pray about your gifting and being used by God in, in this church. I'm going to stand over here to the left. I'd love to pray with you or talk with you about those things. If not, let's just stand and sing about the goodness of God and his mercy that we were sinners who saved us by his grace. Father, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray all these people said. Let's stand together.